0: The following episode of No Persinium contains language that is not suitable for young listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hey gang, welcome to episode 61 of the No Persinium podcast, your guide to immersive entertainment. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from Los Angeles. Today on the show, we're talking about The Tension Experience, an all-new show that's coming to Los Angeles, And we've got its creator, the elusive Darren Lynn Bowsman, here to tell us all about it. But first, um, we recorded the interview, not this part, but the interview that you're going to hear. We recorded that at Think Tank Gallery, their new podcast studio in the Fashion District in L.A. Great bunch of guys. Uh, They've been super nice to host me uh, and our guests Uh, in the studio for a number of podcasts now there's there's a bunch in the can already that are ready to go so we're like steaming forward it's been super useful to have a studio to work out of I want to thank the guys I want to thank Jacob and Patrick so much for letting me come in and do the show Uh, it's always a blast it's a blast to talk to them about it and we'll get them on the show at some point as well and you know they built a podcast studio so maybe something's happening with that all right I am not at liberty to say, because they haven't told me anything yet. Um, okay, that's, that's that thank you That that is is a needful thing. And now, uh, let's move on to your and my favorite part of the show, news and notes. Maybe it's not your favorite part of the show. My favorite part is actually the interviews. But I know some of you would probably just listen to the news and notes. You should listen to the interviews. Listen to the interviews. Come on. Um, hey, uh, here's another thing. Uh One of the interviews that we did at Think Tank that's in the can already is with the guys from My Haunt Life. That one's coming up, I think, two episodes from now. But they have an incredibly useful calendar, which has all of the haunts, all of the spooky season stuff listed out by day. All right. So if you if you want to just like a quick look and see what's happening on any given day uh, that's horror related here in Los Angeles and some Orange County. Uh, you want to check out My Haunt Life. Just You plug that into the Googles and it'll lead you there. Or look on our Facebook or in our Twitter feeds for links to the calendar. Uh, they got, they've got the extreme haunts, they've got the big stuff like Universal, and they even have home haunts. So if you are deep on the haunt thing, you need to check out their calendar. Also, great episode, and we're going to do... It's our spooky season spectacular, and it's coming very, very soon. Okay, um, more news in Los Angeles. I look at the notes again. And I'm like, oh, that you had that beforehand. Um hey, uh tension experience tickets are on sale. You're gonna learn a lot more about that this in that in this episode, so let's let's not worry about that at the moment. Um Bardo Thodol, which is the new screenshot production, um last I checked, just just a handful of tickets left. They, they might even be sold out by the time you're listening to this, but check yourself. Go to screenshot.productions See if you can get it on Bardo Total. I'm completely looking forward to it when it starts. That's at the top of September. Um, also, uh, tickets for Wicked Lit, which is coming up in October. They're on sale. They're selling very briskly, as they always do. Wicked Lit, Lit, Lit always sells out. They're going to be our guests on next week's show. And I'm going to have a lot less uh, hard of a time pronouncing things. I haven't had any coffee yet. So that, that's one of those. Um, you want to go to... Unbound Productions, or to uh, just pop Wicked Lit into your Google's and uh, go catch a ticket while you still can. That's happening out in uh, Altadena, one of the Dinas. That's a joke from next week. We'll get to it later. Delusion, his Crimson Queen. Delusion is back. That's the uh, sort of the grand daddy of them all when it comes to uh, immersive haunt play things. I'm super looking forward to it because I've never caught a delusion and um, I never caught a delusion. Well, I mean, there was this one time. point is I haven't seen the show. Uh, the initial run of tickets has sold out. Yeah, because that's how it rolls. That's that's how we do. That's why I call it spooky season. In fact, you know, two weeks from now doing the spooky season spectacular. It might just be a list of things that are all sold out. I don't know. It could get that way. We, I mean, it is August in Los Angeles and a lot of the the horror stuff for for September and October has already sold out. We go hard here. We go so hard. So hard. Um delusion anyway, keep an eye out there may be something they've hinted at maybe something. Got to know they'd love to do the show some more. I'm sure of that. Hey, let's get out of town for a second. Let's go up to San Francisco. You got Wii Players Romeo and Juliet, which I'll be catching later on this month. It's uh, later on next month. I'm already in September in my head. Uh, That's going to be up in Petaluma. Come Out and Play is taking place across a number of days in San Francisco as well. That's a big game festival that's happening up there. And of course... uh, Boxcar Theaters, the speakeasy is getting up and running. They're going into previews, going to have their press night in October, which I think I'm going to wind it missing. Uh, and they're going to be uh, hopefully keeping the show open past that point. And uh, hopefully, I'll get a chance to check it out. And we'll circle back around once I've seen the show and talk to the producers again here on this show. Let's fly out to Chicago. Oh, I wish I could fly out to Chicago because Learning Curve is up right now. That is the collaboration between Albany Park Theater Project and Third Rail Projects. Third Rail Projects, which only makes my absolute favorite things in existence. Uh, not shows. Favorite things. Period. And I'm a giant Star Wars fan. So if you guys are listening... Uh, they're probably not listening. I just i just got to imagine they're probably not listening. Um, we have... Over at our medium collection medium.com/ no- proscenium, we've got a, um, a write-up of that show by designer Megan Riley not not the designer of the show but she's a designer she's a friend of the show um, in like from like multiple avenues she's a friend of the show and she wrote a, a great blog piece about going to see learning curve and I said hey you, you feel like expanding that? And she did, and she wrote it up, and it's the the front piece at medium.com slash no-persinium. It is a wonderful piece called How I Learned to Stop Worrying About Design and Start Immersing Myself in Characters. Absolutely lovely, really made me want to see the show, Um, but if you can't see the show, um, I think this makes a great uh, argument for what immersive can do, and particularly how immersive can shift you from being one kind of fan into another kind of fan if we if we must speak of fandoms new york city just keep going east versailles 2016 is back tickets are on sale that's Aaron Mees' piece that zay absolutely loves uh it had a sold out run in the spring it's coming back always glad to see that kind of thing happen check that out and you know speaking of third rail earlier uh like i just did uh, Grand Paradise has been extended through the end of the year. I think I may have mentioned this before, but I just want to be clear with everybody. It's, it's on right now through December 31st. And you know, if I could be, that's where I'd be on New Year's Eve. This interview, which you are about to receive, is one of my favorites in the entire run. Now, let me set up a little bit here. Um, the Tension Experience... Uh, no one really knew what it was. If you go back, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know, I called out a couple of times, hey, can people go figure out what this is? Because I didn't have time. There was a website with a puzzle and that unlocked, and then there were like weird, creepy phone calls, and I was like, oh, it's an ARG. So, uh, part of the tension experience so far has been what we would call an alternate reality game. Uh, there have been secret cults and things and whatnot and periscopes and the aforementioned Megan Riley, who lives in Minnesota, has been a big fan. And when she was out here, she got like taken away by them, run around and done stuff and things and whatnot. Um, super involved, uh, super passionate fan base, super fascinating, uh, super passionate passionate fan base in the way that ARGs often are Uh, kicked up a little bit of controversy because you know there were questionnaires people felt were invasive and yada 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 all this stuff working towards no one knew until tickets went on sale for an event is it a haunt is it a piece of immersive theater Um, who was making it these were all open questions that were still happening I was completely curious and I didn't really know what was going on because I had kept at a distance. Friends of the show, like Juliet Bennett Ryla, were like totally fascinated. The My Haunt Life guys were like deep in it. I was like, okay, people got this covered. So, um, but I was still wanting to do something on it. Uh, we got contacted by the PR people and they, we went back and forth and finally got an interview. And on the day of the interview, I, I, up until 15 minutes before, I had no idea who was showing up no idea who's gonna be standing there when i open up the door to think tank uh and and let someone in uh up until i got an email and said hey uh this is the wikipedia link for darren lynn bousman uh he's a film director he directed a big chunk of the saw franchise two three four i believe uh, were all his uh he's was a theater director before that we get into all that um we had just a a solid fucking conversation and oh yeah uh I guess that's a sign yeah we curse in this one um I I I, we we keep it pretty loose so get ready um sorry I should have warned you before I laid an f-bomb out if you have kids in the car this is one not to listen to in the car but it is about a horror themed event um this interview from my point of view uh Pretty much takes every theme thread we've had for the past year and crams it all into one event. So if you listen to just one episode, uh, this is a really good one to listen to. All right, let's do this. It, this is this is officially one of the stranger ones because like I didn't even know who was entering right. the studio, and we're back at. at Think tank everybody by the way. And yeah, we started. Uh, in until like 10 minutes before. But this is fun because uh, I, I got five seconds with Wikipedia, so I know who you are, but you but for everyone else's sake, you are the you are the creator of the tension experience. Darren Balsman, welcome to No Persinium. Uh, uh,
1: great. Ta- it's great to be here. Thanks. For
0: those for those who might not be familiar with your IRV, and yeah, this is the kind of show where I'm gonna say IRV when I was saying that kind nice.
1: of faux like snooty way. Um,
0: what what people what might people know you from?
1: Uh, I guess uh, everyone would probably know me from the Saw franchise. I, uh, I started out in at twenty six. I directed Saw two, three, and four. I actually, wrote Saw two and th- Saw two. But uh, starting in the Saw franchise, which is quite a way to get my start in Hollywood.
0: Yeah, yeah. You've also done Repo, a genetic opera, opera yeah. which
1: is uh, awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I did a. Uh, I was really lucky in the when I first came out to Hollywood. I, I mean, I had the classic years of not working and being a PA and being fired from numerous jobs. But then when it happened, which I think it was in L.A. five years, four years, um, it happened quickly and it happened uh, rapidly where I went straight from doing Saw 2 to Saw 3 to Saw 4 to repo the genetic opera with no downtime. It was literally back to back to back. And so I went from literally zero to 100 where I was living on couches and the classic cliche story you've heard eating ramen to being on a plane to direct a huge franchise. That's,
0: it's, it's nice to know that uh, it's still possible. So, I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe now a little harder. I don't know what the route is
1: exactly, (sighs) but I don't uh, know if I can do it again. I always think that now (laughs) I look back and say that if I was to hit the restart button, would I have the, Faculties to do it again. I don't think it's set up in the same way that it was when I was I kind of entered at a weird time when Horror movies still were in 3,000 screens and they gave people chances and there was this whole uh, It was a whole thing and now it's so different because everyone's a filmmaker and everyone can make a movie now yeah, and so um, and There's such a stable of people that have had success and so for me who had done nothing I didn't even have a short film that I could show Oh wow. Uh, I never made anything I basically walked in and sold them just on my. I guess it's a difference. I, I hate to use the word cockiness, but I guess self-assurance. I, I, I was sure. I was very confident in what I could do and what I can bring to the table. And so, as a director, you have to be a great salesman. Yeah. So I think I walked in and I sold Lionsgate on this. Why they had to hire me to direct this sequel to a huge franchise.
0: I I miss the the raw confidence of my late teens through my twenties.
1: I've been big alcohol. That. There's a lot of alcohol in <laughs> that time. Right?
0: <laughs> for me it was just pure arrogance. Like I lived off arrogance and Snickers bars. Like that's how I managed it. Um, yeah, but didn't you know never managed to get it that far. But now now you're you're in here we are in the horror genre, I'm assuming. Cause we've got this you've been doing this thing for a few months now. You've been doing the tension experience. And it arrived yeah. in a very mysterious fashion. And, and there's using your own term, there's been a lot of cloak and dagger about what's going on, who's behind this, what's real, what isn't, um, the term of art we tend to go for is we refer to it a little bit as there's a bit of an ARG an alternate reality game going on. Um, but why, why this approach? Like why? And, and, but maybe even more importantly, what the fuck <laughs> is the is the ticketed tension experience going to be? Because up until, like, maybe like a week or so before you put tickets on sale, no one even knew that this was leading up to an yeah. event.
1: Well, I mean, I think I got to take a step back before I can take a step forward. Absolutely. And you mentioned that I did a movie called repo, and I think it all kind of started with repo and the fact that I was I didn't realize what I was doing with the saw franchise when I was doing it. All I realized was, that it became safe and I became bored. Mm. And what I mean by that is, is that I had, you know, they surrounded me with such an amazing group of people. I always say this is about myself as a director. I'm, it's not that I'm a talented director, but I surround myself with really talented people. And so there was like a safety net and I couldn't fall a foot without someone catching me on the Saw franchise. And so when Saw 2 came out and it was a success, Saw 3 came out and by the time Saw 4 came out, it was a machine and the machine was... It was moving and it was trucking. And the reality was I could have been pulled out of that machine and saw franchise would have continued without me. Mm. And it made me lazy as a filmmaker. It made me lazy as an artist. And I became lazy. I mean, literally, if you look at pictures of me from Saw 2 to Saw 4, I I, I gained like 35 pounds. I became cocky. I became arrogant. Um, And I became lazy. And that's the worst thing for an artist to be, those three things. And it it kind of uh, struck me. And I was like... uh, I don't know if I can cuss. F oh, me. I, okay. I, yeah. Okay, I, okay good. So I'm gonna put the
0: explicit tag good. on this fucking one. So. Good. So I said, <laughs> "Fuck me."
1: I'm I'm becoming something that I don't like. And I need to jumpstart my career. And I had to do the most dangerous thing that I can think of doing. And for me, I've been a huge fan of musicals for as long as I can remember. And I grew up, uh, my parents would take me to see every musical stage show they could see. And like I saw as a kid, Jesus Christ Superstar. And they took me to go see, you know, uh, when I went to New York, my parents took me to see Rent. And I, I grew up on these shows. And I always wanted to make a rock opera. And so I said, this is my chance. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do something that is so vastly different from the Saw universe that is dangerous. And to me, I wanted to do something that was dangerous. And it wasn't making another horror film. It wasn't going off and making Saw 5 or, you know, another one of these hostile-like movies. I wanted to do something that took risk, that forced me to be alert, awake, and conscious of what I was doing. Mm. And so for me, that was Repo. I mean, I don't know how much crazier you can get from going from a very... Uh, I guess, I don't want to say by the numbers because Saw films are not by the numbers, but a very safe thing like Saw to doing something with Paris Hilton and Sarah Brightman. I mean, that gets, I don't, I don't know if you can get weirder than that at the time for me. So, I, like,
0: I like that you're saying that that you, you wanted you wanted to take risks and you wanted to kind of like be in the moment that way because for the, the whole point in my head of this whole immersive entertainment stuff is about presence, right? And yeah. so like the for for everyone from the artist on down wanting to be present wanting to not just sleepwalk through and
1: you just you just said the word sleepwalk and that was what i was becoming as a filmmaker and what worse i was seeing audiences become that were watching and consuming content I realized that the older that I got and the more technology that came out from, you know, one of my first movies that I had after Repo, was a movie called Mother's Day, it went straight to video. And at that time, that was the kiss of death. At the time that Mother's Day came out, it was still when most of my films were getting 3,000 screen releases, whatever. Here comes Mother's Day that gets released in two theaters. And that was a kiss of death. Now, people's most eighty percent of movies—I'm making that number up—but go straight to video or straight to DirecTV or Netflix, and it's considered normal. That's what happens. But what's happened now is, is me as a consumer, there are so many movies that are on Netflix, so many TV shows on DirecTV. I tune out and I do ten other things. I watch. I'm watching TV. I'm talking to my son. I'm checking Facebook. I'm updating Twitter. I'm making you know eggs in the skillet, and I'm half paying attention to everything and realizing Mm -hmm. movies are passing me by, literally. I'll watch three movies, and I don't remember any of them, and it's because they, they stopped becoming an experience, I use the word experience, that it used to be when I went and saw a movie, it was a religious experience to me. I still remember to this day that the, it was in LA maybe less than a year, and there's this magical moment, and I always look back on it, that I was driving down, and I was in Hollywood, and I was driving down, and there was a single screen, and I believe it was a Limley, and it was showing mm-hmm. Amelie. And I didn't know oh, anything boy. about it. And I pulled my car over, and I went and saw it. And here I was in this m- magical, mystical theater, and it was just me and a few other people. And I got the popcorn, and I sat there, and I had an experience. And I was I was connected to the characters. I didn't have my cell phone. Yeah. I wasn't getting page. I didn't have to tweet and to Facebook. Those days are gone. That yeah. doesn't exist anymore for me. It's
0: it's 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 next to impossible. Like I feel like I've got just a little bit of rekindled. With that relationship, and I'm super lucky in that I live right by the Vista. Oh,
1: yeah. Which is
0: a, a gorgeous single screen house. Yeah, Repo
1: used to play it, it still does every once in a while. But, you know, that's one of those great things that you haven't experienced when you go to that theater. They make it a magical thing. Yeah. But we live in the land of multiplex, Ugh. we live in the land of every video streaming content service is available on your watch, on your phone, on your iPad. And it's, it's disgusting because, again, I find myself, and this is kind of leading into tension. I found myself becoming complacent again and lazy mm. and I knew that for me I wanted to not talk at my audience but talk to them and that if I'm gonna to talk to an audience that means that I need to engage them and I need to inspire them to work with and communicate with the story as opposed to just flashing images on a screen saying look at these pretty images that I've made for you yeah. because that that all that's doing if I do that is is I'm giving them a place that they can check their phone and go make skillet omelets and talk to their kids and whatever. Because the reality of getting that movie in a screen, a single screen, getting it in the Vista, is slim to none now. Now the reality is, unless I have a huge actor, it's going to go to DirecTV or Netflix. And that's if I'm lucky. It might go straight to video and no one will ever see it. Um, So for me, I wanted to take a step back, kind of the way I did with Saw, to Repo. Go back to my passion and my love, which is theater. And say, I want to create something that forces the audience to be active and not passive. And I think that, and I I have a really morbid, dark story about where this all came from, which has nothing to do with the experience, but, and it's going to go dark, so I, I, I apologize in advance, but... I,
0: I think I think <laughs> people knowing that you know you directed
1: three Saw films and I'm telling you it's about to go dark. <laughs> you know. I think I think they're ready. Um, so I mean, if I start screaming in terror, then maybe I, if blood well, comes in my eyes, you just know what's going like, to happen <laughs> is you're not going to say anything, and that's how bad the story is. When it's over, you're just going to it's going to be silent, and, and having silence on a radio or any podcast is bad. I, I can
0: really, just edit okay. the silence out. Okay, don't worry. Good.
1: So um, I'm a huge conspiracy theorist. I love oh. conspiracy theories. And I... Like um, like in the sense of like you like collecting them or like
0: you like actively think the world runs that way?
1: Both. I think okay. that I think that a lot of media... I, it's funny. I, I find out a lot of my news sources on... I call them, I guess, lunatic fringe sites two days before Huffington or Drudge or The Hill or any of these other people really pick it up. I'm not talking about aliens, you know, are amongst us. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about... Um, they could be government corruption. It could be. It could be anything. I just love them. I think I find it fascinating about secrets that we can keep from each other and how we spin those secrets. But there was a, a website that I was on, and it was a video was uploaded. And this video was uploaded with very little commentary, and it says, "Is this real or a hoax?" Mm. And the video was two kids, uh, I think eight and six, um, English accents, and they were talking about pop pop, and. their their father, obviously, and about how Pop-Pop made them kill little kids. And the video was so horrific in what they were saying in the video, I immediately was like, this isn't real. This is scripted. And the video was taken down and purged from almost every website. It was on all the major conspiracy sites. and It was gone. Next day, just completely gone. Then I see it start popping up on mainstream sites about someone's trying to figure out where this video came from. Is it hype for a movie? Is it blah, blah, blah. People started to dig into this, this video and they found out that not only was it not a fake video, that it was a leaked thing, that there was a court case going on about a woman who is trying to get custody of her kids away from the father and she released all of the social service interviews between the kids. The kids basically were claiming that their father uh, made them participate in human sacrifice. and But here's what's crazy is that this, there was a whole community on a message board that were trying to figure out, they were trying to shoot holes in what the kids were saying. And so what right. they did was they basically took a transcript of everything the kids said and then tried to find actual threads to connect what the kids were saying. Right. And so they would say their father's name was Pop Pop, but then later on they would say the father's last name. So then they would Google Pop Pop in that last name and they what they did was it spiderwebbed out into real Facebook pages, real uh, blog posts, How real whatever. How long ago was this? Last year. Oh wow. And um, so what happened was suddenly, uh, after about a week and a half that's going on, someone found a Google Drive that was still online that had 20 videos. Now you're not with one; they're with 20. And what transpired was the most horrific display of humanity of what these kids were saying. They were saying words that no one should ever say. Right. They were saying, and, and I and they were like it,
0: nine, ten. They or? were
1: one was six and one was eight, I believe. <sighs> Boy. And so it made me enraged for two reasons. Enraged that, that if it was fake and these kids were being scripted to say these lines, no kid should say those words. Yeah, Secondly, all. if they really believed it was right, what they were saying, then the parents should be arrested. But what happened was a community formed around this story, and we played detectives. Yeah. And we were trying to figure out if it was real or not real. And by the very end, it was real. And you can Google. you can. It's not going to be hard. You can Google some of the things that I've talked about, and you'll find it. Um, but what happened was I found myself after the course of three and a half weeks, four weeks, more enthralled and emotionally invested in the characters in this story right. than I had in any movie or any TV series. And why? Because yeah. it required me to actually punch it, manual labor. I had to Google things. I had to read court documents. I had to find medical files.
0: It's interesting. Cause it's like the same kind of stuff that, that happened around the serial podcast. Exactly. And now it's led to like a sec- another trial for... Adnan, yeah, and then just today, the day we're recording this, like the making of a murder show, when yeah. Dacey got overturned. That's the kid who's like clearly seems to have some. I mean, that whole family seems to have some developmental issues, but that that kid, like watching, watching a lot of his stuff, well, you're just like making murders. A
1: perfect example. Yeah. When I was watching that show, I found myself googling things, seeing oh, what I could, everyone did, yeah, yeah. And I think that what that does is it immediately puts you in the middle of the story, and it lets you have your own reality of what's really going on. And I'll give you an example. If there are ten documents laid out in front of me that highlight this this satanic case of these kids and the ritualistic abuse, and I, as a participant, read all ten of them, my view is very—I have a view of this way. But if someone next to me only reads two documents, their view mm-hmm. is completely different than mine. Yeah. And so it started to give this idea that I love—and we'll go, i mean, I'll talk about kind of my love of immersive theater, but um, I love storytelling and I love new and interesting ways to engage an audience. And it came down to the idea of. That this is a new way to engage an audience, which is basically putting the information out there for them, not telling you what's right or what's wrong, right. letting you figure it out, and let you come up with your own perceptions of what's really going on.
0: Now, you you got inspired to do this based off, you know, the internet detecting, which is which has been such a thing. And what's interesting to me is like, some of that form, oh, this is almost like like um, Fenrir chasing his tail, right? Uh, some of that form can gets traced back to the first ARG. And uh, the, which was for AI, the, the cloud yeah. makers thing, the yeah. beast. Yeah. And then some of the folks from there then went off and, and decided they were internet detectives. And they started trying to use their, their yeah. skills. Like, I think there was one branch that never gets spoken of, but we're through the rabbit hole yeah. here, you know, who tried to solve 9-11, right? Yeah. Or you get these moments, like, I remember, I remember... Um, uh, it's something I, I hate talking about. I remember the Aurora shooting and I remember coming back that night because going back to the idea of a, of a yeah. movie theater, like someone had violated my temple, right? You know, So found that out. I came back, I'd come back from the west side to where I was living in Silver Lake because I was like the screen I had gone to see. It's three in the morning and I made the mistake of like, I'll just look at Reddit and see what's going on. Yeah. I want to see what the reaction to the movie is because I was like piecing it together and like, I don't know if I like this or not. Let's see what everyone else says to like help me yeah. figure out where I am, take my temperature. And, it, and I was like, holy shit and just stayed up for the next 4 hours like getting updates and everyone was like i think i've got this picture over here and i think i've got that and everyone's trying to do that and oftentimes it goes wrong but it does sort of like trace back to this weird thing where like args were were the through sort of the first sort of play detective version of it. And that was like 2001, 2000, yeah. 2001. And then as time has gone on, it's just become something that everyone goes to because of that idea of like, you've got this slice and I've got that slice and let's we put, put it them all together. together, get the big well, picture.
1: Well, I think what's, you know, was hard about us when we, we started off, um, I started creating this I've had this idea for years, and it actually came after. It started way before it. That's a weird, horrible case. It started when I saw Sleep No More for the first time mm. because um, I literally became addicted to immersive theater to a point of it actually hurt my career and relationship with people. Um, and it started, it, it kind of the first kick in the balls was, was The Blackout Haunted House, which I was a huge fan of, and I'd never seen anything like it. I went to it, this is years ago, one of, maybe one of the first shows. And I was like, oh, my God, I haven't felt this way in theater in a long time. I, I feel violated, and I don't necessarily like how I feel, but this was this shocked me. And then it led me to find more mainstream, and uh, I flew to New York, and it was really funny. I went to see Sleep No More, and I didn't get it. I, in fact, I hated it. I walked out, and I was like, I think I posted something on my Facebook that says, I feel like I was in a weird David Lynch nightmare, and I'm not sure I liked it. And immediately I got a response and it says, you were at sleep no more tonight. And I wrote back, yes. And they wrote, <laughs> we work here, come back tomorrow. Oh. And uh, it was two fans of the Repo movie. And I don't know if they want me to say their name on the air, but they were, they're, they're two fans and they work there. And they said, listen, it's a lot to take in. Try it one more time with us. Nice. And so I go back and I do it again. And I'm not joking you. I left crying and, and I, I'm not that emotional when it comes to things. But I realized I had saw something that not everyone will see, and there's no way I can accurately describe it to anyone unless you went. Yeah. And I went yeah. back the next night and the next night and the next Uh-oh. night. And so what happened <laughs> they was They say
0: it, it takes eight times. Well, so. <laughs> oh my God. So then
1: it gets even worse than that, is I find out they're doing a show called The Drowned Man in London. And so with those two girls, these two mm-hmm. people that I met, I said, We're going to the Drowned Man, and literally I tell my wife, I'm going to London, I'll be back. And it like led the same week? Uh, maybe two weeks after oh that, three goodness. weeks after that. But it led me – I was ping-ponging all over the world doing immersive theater, and I was trying to find anything and everything that would make me feel the same way that Sleep No More made me feel, which was confused, angry, uh, emotional, turned on, scared – yeah, um, and I went. I mean, literally all over the place to Japan, to you know, to Canada, to I mean, everywhere I could find that had uh, we'll something. To, we'll have to
0: do another episode that's just like your travel diary, oh like my all the things you saw. So and it
1: was great because I got to hang out. I got to meet the the punch drunk guys um, when I was there, and I was fascinated that storytelling. It wasn't necessarily about the interacting with the actors, which is great, or the stories mm. themselves. It was a new way to tell a narrative story. And yeah, it was Macbeth or yes, it was, you know, whatever you're you're watching. Like in the case of Then She Fell, yeah, I'm looking at Alice in Wonderland. But it was how they were telling the story. It was the way that everyone's opinion of what they saw was different. And I could go with a group of three people and have such different opinions. And I was like taking what I want to do with movies, combining it, my love of immersive theater. So tension experience never started out to be an energy. It was supposed to be. Um, everything that happened or has happened in the last since seven months started in February was supposed to be teasers for the for the event it was just mm. teasers and I was doing little trailers that was all it was and I, I look at it as a filmmaker about I have a movie that I'm releasing and I'm gonna release this movie in September. I need to get people to know about it now and then next thing I knew it got bigger and bigger and bigger
0: Airgies do that yeah. like, like, oh that my was God. like like that was did you I mean here's here's my honest question like yeah. did you did you study it all? And it's fine if the answer is no. Did you study at all like the trials and tribulations of the cloud makers, the no, people who made the... No, but I mean, here's the thing. Oh. Is I,
1: know, I know some of the people at 4th Wall Studios. Yeah. And I know I had numerous encounters with people that were on year zero. Yeah. Um, and so I, I feel like... I, I tried... Here's what I tried to do. I never... I'm always terrified that I'm going to accidentally takes an idea that I've read about and so I don't want to read about anything and so I went out of my way to not read about anything right and people would send me links like my agent would say oh you should read this thing and I'd hit delete immediately because I didn't want to know right if I was going to fail I wanted to fail on my own if I was going to succeed I wanted to succeed I didn't want to learn and it was funny because um, I did meet with some people very early on when I realized it was just getting bigger than I knew how to manage. Yeah, um, I met with some people, and immediately I realized it was a bad idea because they were saying cardinal rule: don't do X, Y, and Z. And that's all I was doing was X, Y, and Z. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't want to hear what didn't work for you. I was like, I, I didn't, I didn't want to hear it. I didn't, I didn't want to know. Yeah. So those things stopped, and I literally at that point called. This is crazy. I called my best friend from high school, who uh, a guy named Clint Sears, who's written a couple of projects for me recently and I said listen you've never done an ARG but we're going to do it and then you're going to come out and we're going to turn this into a huge event in Los Angeles. And so it it started all by accident. We did not expect it to kind of turn into what it had. That's every ARG
0: every so like the interesting thing about the, that you were doing it that way and like I didn't dive in, right? Yeah. Like a lot of a lot of folks did a lot of people on the horror side did and I I I, I deliberately took a stance of you know I want to see where it goes, but I'm not going to get active, partly because like, I was gearing up to like go to Cleveland, and that yeah. was its own ARG. And I'm like, I <laughs> do not. I was just like, I don't need someone calling me at 3 o'clock in the morning because like, I might be like, is it the Secret Service actually calling me? Like, I didn't need the blur. But what's, what's fascinating is all the reporting I've done on ARGs and all the studying I've done yeah. it is that the audience will be small and passionate and dedicated, and they want all of your time and classically the and you've experienced this now like they when they did the one for ai when they did the yeah. beast you know you've probably heard this yeah. but i'll say it for everyone and everyone listening knows but it's got to be said it's the litany right we, we remind ourselves of the old stories to like prove <laughs> our tribe is real um they thought they had three months worth of content and it lasted 24 hours and then they just yeah. spent the next X amount of time, just improvising the whole damn thing the entire way because of exactly the experience you had trying to solve this this it's real case, which is like everyone goes at it, and and you know it's it it, it strikes a chord with with a certain type of mind. Oh, it, that's you, amazing.
1: It's great and it's addictive, and I think I, I'm seriously Clint and I have been joking that we're going to write a book on this entire thing, and it's it's. It's gonna start off the very first line is gonna be, we are the tension experience, meaning that that everything that's making going on in my life has turned my life upside down from a tense standpoint because there is constant fear of exposure. There's mm. constant fear. I never wanted my name out on this. I wouldn't even be here now. I didn't want I didn't want to come out in front of it because I didn't want my name to overshadow what it was and what I was trying to do. Um, I would have been completely okay to never have my name associated with it. But it's become in this age where secrets are almost impossible. I got blackmailed. I had people request money. People show up at my door saying they were going to expose me. Um, it got worse and worse and worse where we actually got death threats. We had to call the police. The FBI got involved. Well, the police got involved and I guess took it to the FBI. But it was, it got bad. It got really bad. And, uh, you know, it, it, looking back on it now, some months have passed and some of those kind of crazier events happened. But, uh, we just wanted to make something fun. Like we wanted to make this really cool, immersive, uh, walk through, sleep no more but scary kind of thing. The um, next thing I know, I'm feeling death threats and having police officers come and talk to me and it got it got really crazy. Yeah. And uh, we always knew I mean one thing unlike on, the beast, I think, or any of, a lot of them I've read about. I looked at this like a movie and I look a TV show, not a movie, a TV show. We we knew we wanted season one to go. We had the characters, we had the idea, and we know where it's ending. In fact, the ending was the first thing that we had. But I don't think what we were ready for was how passionate the fans would become. Yeah. How they would embrace it as their own. Yeah. And it became as much of part of them as it did me, meaning that they owned it as much as I did. And so yeah, we're creating the content and we're kind of pulling the strings, but they were involved and active and spent as much time as much hours in the day consuming it as we were making it and so I owed them something and at that point I couldn't step back I couldn't let the the threats get to us we couldn't because we owed them something they were giving us their time and so it became this thing which has spiraled into what it is now
0: which gets back to the idea of the presence right like they were giving you your their attention they were giving you their their passion and you wanted to honor that and that's yeah. that's awesome and and I think a couple of things. One, I, I do worry in this day and age like how easy it is to to not think of the person at the other end of a computer as, as a human. And so there's a certain type of personality that will like, you know, bust out a death threat because, you know, they think it's a game or they think it's funny or like whatever it is, like and they don't realize and you'll hear this in like ARG stories where like the players will follow an actor home and the actor will be like,
1: no, no, no. Oh, we've had that. You it's know, terrifying. And yeah. what was scary about this guy in particular was he didn't hide behind a username. Um, you know, one of the things about the Tension experience, which we've got a lot of flack on, um, is how kind of intrusive our questionnaire is and to, mm-hmm. to actually s- to sign up. So we we have a, a lot of information on people, names, addresses, phone numbers. And we always fact check. We make sure that we know before we engage someone who they are. I'm not going to engage you if I can't trace you. Because what I don't want to do is trigger somebody in a way that I don't know who they are. Which means, let's say Mm. that John Doe. I will look up John Doe and I'll say, okay, John Doe works in the film industry. John Doe went to go see Carrie the Musical when it was here. John Doe, whatever. I can engage this guy. He's a patron of the arts. I look at, you know, Jane Doe. And Jane Doe. Um, has been in and out of psych wards and she posts about it on Facebook. She talks about suicide. She talks about whatever. She gets an X through and we never engage her. We won't do it. And so we, we, we look through everyone and w- we came across a person that we couldn't really trace back. He had a private Facebook, private everything. But all of his information checked out. He lived mm-hmm. where he said he did. His phone number is what it said it was. And then he's the one that started these threats. Mm-hmm. And he didn't hide behind a username like I'm Scary Guy 18 He was his full name. And he was very vocal about it, and it was that that kind of scared me because I'm like, I get if you want to scare us and you want to try to play the game with us and do whatever, but you're not even doing that. Like you're making personal attacks, and I was like, that's that's a that's a different beast. Yeah. So I don't think we were necessarily prepared for that when that happened.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a. It reminds me a bit. I mean, this is the the tool that I have to interact with all of this sort of stuff it reminds me of my LARPing days I, I hate to say it. and I was running a LARP and I ran a, That's awesome. a I ran a vampire LARP for two two and a half years in the early part of college and then like once once my theater degree got serious and I moved on campus I couldn't hold it up anymore um and, and trailed off but I always had a rule which was that you know you you had to leave everything at the door like I didn't want people to like run real grudges in the game and then i i left that world and i watched some of my friends stay in that world and they they did not hold those rules as tightly you know like i tried to like be very selective about who was in the game i tended to play with either the kids that i played role-playing games with in high school or with folks that i did theater with in college we sometimes tried to go play with other people from other games they had a very different style we mutually hated each other's styles so like that never worked out we were the we were the theater nerds and they were the they were the gaming nerds um and so they were looking for different stuff The, the, the people were looking for You know, they were looking for power trips. They were looking for ego trips, and so were we. But but for us, it was about performing for each other, not necessarily about. Uh, domination via like I'm holding a three by five card in front of you and saying like, Oh, I'm the prettiest person you've ever seen. Act like you love me. It's like, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to get into character and I'm going to like make eye contact and like, you know, maybe try and like flirt a little bit and like, it's dorky. So like you play along, right. And we're doing a scene and then we, we all, we're all fine. But I would watch my friends hold on and just the, the, the geek politics and the, the degree of angst and anger uh, at control well, of the social scene.
1: I think it also adds a whole other layer on here that how how much we've gone, to I guess, to protect who we are and what this is. Mm. Um, I've been very reluctant to put any information out about it because I don't feel I have to. It's, you know, in the way that it is what it is and you'll find out what it is when you're supposed to find out what it is right. I think that a lot of people wanted content now and they wanted to know what it was they wanted us to just define it yeah. and none of us were ready to do that yeah. um,
0: there's we, a total lack of patience online for like everything right like it's why film blogs exist and like try and get scoops on game or like game blogs try and yeah. get scoops on games and they get their whole PR department like will shut down a blog like I was reading this yesterday like Kotaku like Ubisoft and someone else will not talk to Kotaku anymore because they they got scoops on game releases, and I sit there going like, and I remember when I was like, even in my early thirties, being like, I totally want to know about the game before I know about the game. And then the older I get, I'm like, no, I don't. I want you to tell me about it when you're ready well, to tell me okay. about Here, it. Well, that's okay.
1: Here, let me tell you why. Yeah, shit happens. Movies fall apart. Exactly. Things, things, and here's what I didn't want to do. I did not want to set myself up for failure. And the fact that that when you're when you're putting on an event like we're doing. Fire marshals, insurance, walkthroughs, permits, city planning commissions. It is literally, it took us a year, one year, one entire year to find a location that would let us do this. A year. So we were supposed to make this last Halloween. Last Halloween. Now, I made sure to not talk about this because I was so terrified. If I'm telling everyone this is coming next Halloween and it doesn't, I'm going to look like an asshole. So we didn't. And I'm glad we didn't because we couldn't find the location. We couldn't get the permits. We couldn't get whatever. And so I wanted to make sure that I never mentioned a word about it until I knew that I was going to be able to actually do something. And um, e- even now, it's like every day it's a, it's, a new, it's a new hurdle that we have to go out, we have to go through. The reality is it's a business, and we, we exist in a business. The business is to make money. I would love it to be the art business, whatever. It's not about the art. It's about the business. Can I turn a profit? Can mm-hmm. I put people in seats? Can I get people through my doors of ascension? And so now I kind of have to step out, and we have to start talking about it, because as cool as it is for me to not say anything about it and say you guys figure it out yourself, good luck. Let me know how it goes. I can't because I think that there is that. There's two groups of people. There's that small dedicated group of people that love it and are excited and will be there. There's that other group of people that are standing back and being like, "F you. What is this? Explain it." It was funny because I, uh, I listened to. Uh, a podcast and you actually had the guy on here once and I'm, I'm totally blanking on his name Story Forward Steve Peters he, Yeah, he wrote a very scathing thing about us and a, a podcast and I listened to it and I so much wanted to respond because I'm like no you've got it wrong everything you're saying that's, that's not right and I can't and it's so hard because there have been critics out there that I think have put us in a box because they're trying to define us. They're saying, oh, they're an ARG and here's where they're making a mistake or, oh, they're a haunted house. Here's where they're making a mistake. Right. I don't think we're any of that. And I think that's what's exciting about what's going to happen come September 14th when the doors are September 15th, when the doors open up. It's either going to be an amazing experience or a terrible disaster in the way that it is. There's nothing like it. It's I, I, And again, from someone that's traveled all over and done all of these, and again, from from you know uh, delusion to alone to blackout to sleep no more to whatever i'm fans of all of these and i mean literally they inspire me and i look at them but i in the same way how i couldn't do saw two II, three and four and i had to make a weird rock opera this is me doing that again being like i can't do them they're already doing them well very good so i'm not even going to try to compete with them so i'm going to do me and so it, it's hard because it's going to be a hard thing until people actually walk through it and see what this thing is
0: you know Given given everything you said about like you know you study you study your participants and whatnot like there's there's always a small chance that you're that you're playing me and saying all the perfect stuff and I remember when I even when I drove up like someone someone managed like drive up like right behind me when I parked and I was like did someone follow me from home like <laughs> a little bit because I know you've been like playing with some of like the other yeah. the other journalists right and like and and one of them was like I wish they would play with me because like. A certain someone, like, that's their bag, right? Yeah. And, like, me, like, I've got, I, like, you, at least is, like, yeah. what you're telling yeah. me, like, I love to sleep no more. I, like, I love, I love the ability to know that this other world exists, and it's, like, in at the end of Labyrinth, when they're, like, if you need us, if yeah. you ever need us, yeah. that's what I want. I yeah, want, like, course. oh... Not in the sense of the convenience of oh it's on my phone. It's more like oh there's a magic ritual that I do, and and it's like I go to this place at this you appointed get time. Goblin King. And, you and get, yeah it. yeah I can say Goblin King Goblin King mm. take this. Oh I better not say that actually. Yeah. I don't have any baby brothers anymore anyway. Um, but you, you there's a way to get there right, and it takes effort. It takes some sacrifice. Yeah. It takes your parents making extra children. Yeah. Um, and and by doing that we sort of we're able to like refresh ourselves and connect ourselves to that. Presence to to our imagination. Um, that's uh, got way far afield of what I was trying to say. But like I've been. I've been cagey. I've been watching everyone else yeah. watch you guys. I've been, I've been seeing, you know, I've been seeing the reports. Like people have been coming back because I've been like, because, because I can't see everything, right? right? That's course. the other thing. It's like I'm like, I can't, I can't do tension because I got these four other shows to yeah. see, you know, and like, and and part of me is admittedly a little jealous. Like oh, I wish I could just like throw myself fully into yeah. a fandom, but I'm I got to be a meta fan, and coming in today, not having. Any clue. And now I'm thankful. Now I'm thankful that we need to have this like kind of raw conversation that we did. But like going through, I was, I was a little peeved. I was like, I'm not prepped. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if... Tension.
1: Ready. Yeah. <laughs> it's like,
0: what's tension? You know, like, yeah. but also tension, right? Like, I'm a little on edge. And it's like, so how much of they're playing me? But what you're saying in terms of of the sources you're drawing from and the aims and even this, like the idea that like, you know, reluctantly you're stepping out from from behind the curtain Because there 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 is this tradition in the even though you're not an ARG, in the ARG world of like the puppet masters like staying staying hidden. But there's a and even look at like the degree to which Punch Drunk doesn't talk about what they're doing. Yeah. And there's sometimes where I think like one of the reasons why they didn't wind up doing something on the West Coast is that too many people were talking about it. It's like if you speak it, the spell is broken.
1: Yeah. Well absolutely. And it's terrifying. I mean, I I literally um I have panic attacks about this. I have panic attacks about talking to anyone about it because what's in my head and what they experience are totally different because mm-hmm. this is what, what makes Sleep No More so great is everyone goes in and has a completely unique, different experience. I think that for me, um, I, I I had goals. and The goal was I wanted to force people to be present. I wanted to force them to be in the moment. Mm. No cell phones here, no tweeting, no Facebooking. When you enter our doors, we own you. And I wanted to do that in a fun, cool, s- disturbing, beautiful way. Um, but I think what's happened in the last six months, because we've been doing this, is people have defined us for us, things that we're not, that we are some extreme haunt, that we yeah. are some, you know, that we're going to hack your bank accounts, that we are going to kidnap you in the middle of the night. Right. What's kind of, pardon me, what's kind of awesome about this is the legacy of us is is more nefarious than us in, in an awesome way. <laughs> yeah. Things that I read about, a lot of stuff we've not done. Like I read someone saying like we kidnapped them and we threw I mean, it sounds awesome and I'd love to take credit for it, but it's kind of doing a disservice of what this is. Yeah. And what it is is a weird, surreal, crazy, immersive walkthrough into a weird, crazy, immersive story. It's a living movie. Um, and I think that literally in the last 10 days when i started seeing realizing that we're ticking down that that again opening night opening night opening night and i'm seeing people people that i admire and respect like podcasts that i listen to trying to define us and and you're like no no that's not we are and what that what in tune that does is it shuts their their listeners off and they're like oh yeah oh i don't want to do that oh that's and and i think that um so yeah reluctantly i'm i'm coming out now to bring some clarity without telling yeah. what it is. Yeah, well and, I, and, I'm, and I'm,
0: I'm glad. I mean, th- and this is, this is the, uh, you know, I think back to Blair Witch, right? Mm-hmm. Which is actually, it's great to talk about Blair Witch right now because they surprised everybody at Comic-Con that they've, oh, they've made a sequel to Blair Witch and, like, they yeah. managed to, like, sneak that under the radar and everyone, like, freaked out because we don't have surprises in our culture anymore because of that exact energy of everyone wants to, like, hunt down everything. Yeah. But there's also this, there's this, powerful force in modern storytelling that you have tapped into and this is the fire you've been playing with which is when you leave a hole in things when you leave a lacuna um, people just fill it in and like if it's got just the right stickiness people will just tell stories and tell stories and tell stories From a really mundane point of view, I mean, that's like how Dungeons and Dragons makes all of its money, right? It's like it Uh hands you a set, a very loose set of rules, and then lets you run wild with it. And then the promise of you being that good, and then you find out you're not, turns into buying all the campaign supplements so you can run it for your friend, right? Um, But... You know, I look at something like Firefly, uh, Serenity, Joss Whedon show, and it had such a short run, but people pour so much imagination into it because there are just these holes in the universe. Well, so the audience
1: like, makes it their own, and I think yeah. that's what tension has thrived. Now, I'll start off. It, it, it's disturbing. When you walk in, you will be uncomfortable. The, I promise you, you'll feel tense. So, But I think what's what's great about it is the audience helps shape what this is, mm. and um through their interactivity and through their engagement and passion and reading, I mean, I it's you know I'm one of I'm a i am would love to say that I don't read reviews of my films. I do. I would love to say I don't read what they say. I do, and it's great because they are so smart and insightful, and uh, I say are my best collaborators. Outside of Clint, if you're listening, Clint, you're great. But (laughs) for uh, they're awesome because they don't realize what they're actually doing, Mm. and they have fueled us to continue to go and continue to do this because it's not been easy. It's you know, and it was crazy because like two years ago, maybe three years ago, Punch Drunk was going to come here. I remember they were going to do something, and there were rumors, got all
0: kinds of rumors, all kinds of details. Like they had bought this, I was going to be tied to San Francisco. It had this, that, and the other thing, and 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 seeing them leave
1: was a horror. I felt kind of I understood it doing this. I understood how hard it is to get something and that's why I have all oh, that much more respect for anyone that gets anything done. Yeah. Whether it be, you know, small black box things. Like there's something recently I've been seeing called Zombie Joes, which is amazing and like I I'm amazed I've never even knew this thing existed to then again, seeing alone and seeing these other things. I'm like, I the respect that I have for anyone that can pull something like this off is, is just uh, insurmountable at this it's,
0: point it's, and it's a battle that like everyone is facing like every group of artists I know is is trying to like hold on to their spaces or trying to find spaces it's a constant battle in this immersive theater thing here and for the people who are bootstrapping for folks who are two, three years out of CalArts and are trying like I'm thinking of the Speakeasy Society who maybe they're more than two years out of CalArts sorry guys um, I, I don't have like my fact sheet on you in front of me um, they, they definitely listen to the show but um, yeah. But you know, they're holding down day jobs, they're working actors, they're producing this kind of theater, and they're getting hit with people, giving them criticism of like like minute details on things it's like, oh, I wish you guys just did this with the lamps," and it's like, they've got no money yeah, like of course. they're they're threading through. But then when you want to do something a large enough scale the the difficulty of moving every process you're talking about, the permits, finding the locations, and then there's just like any given space, if a film crew comes through, you know, that's gonna be a better offer. Well, know? that's
1: I mean, that's just it. It literally, uh, I'm used to dealing in the film world, and so we go and we rent a building. It's our building. When you're trying to get a lease, like we were trying to get, and you realize you they, they talked like it was a it was a place that we had last Halloween, and they got booked for five days for a shoot, and that threw us out. They're like, Nope, it's it's not. We're, they're doing it in December, but they want to prep. We're, nope, you're you're gone. And a five-day shoot knocked our six-month run out that we wanted to take the building over for. And it just became again and again and again and again where it became demoralizing. You're just like... I worry
0: worry that we may not, and I've never said this on the show because I try and be totally positive, but in my darker times, I worry that we're never going to be able to have the scene that I can see happening here for that reason alone, that people aren't going to be able to lock down spaces long enough to do... Interesting runs, or to like really fulfill their artistic potential, because someone's going to come. Oh, I've got a Nike commercial that I got to shoot right here.
1: You know, and that's that's I think the that's my nightmare. Well, that I mean, it's a a fear for for I think for everyone, but you know, it it does it is a scary thing because this show tension doesn't run on goodwill. It (laughs) it runs on. I mean, there is a lot of people behind the scenes, a lot, um, a lot of actors, a lot of security, a lot of set designers, and everything. And it runs on people buying tickets, and you know, it's. You couple that with the fact of how we had to, you know, permit the building and how we had to put holes in the wall because there wasn't fire doors far enough, and all this other stuff, and you and you keep watching your bank account going down, down, and down, and down, and you know, you got to sell those tickets, and it, it's, it becomes a thing that you look. You there's like a ceiling on what you can make. You're like, if I sell this out every single night, every single night, mm-hmm. what I can make versus what we're spending on making it. It's a, it's a hard thing it's a hard reality again it comes down to the business now I'm doing yeah. this out of love and I'm, I'm very lucky in the fact that because of where I've come from if I talk some people will listen to me not everyone but some people will listen to me so I was able to go in much like Saw 2 and sell my vision based on my passion of immersive theater um, but again that's why I think now I have so much more respect for any production that gets put up realizing if, if I have these hurdles on the scale that I have what they must have so it's, uh, it's crazy this
0: I'm not calling us done yet because like we can go for a little while longer, but like this has been this is not the conversation I expected to have tonight. <laughs> this is this has got me it's got me amped because in some ways it's you're you're validating you're validating what I'm seeing the others go through. You're you're laying down in, in kind of like black and white the the challenge for all of us. And I think that I know there are forces here in the city. Uh, there are folks who are just arriving, they're coming into institutional positions. There's like some real estate people even that are interested in having Los Angeles be as dynamic. And, and I'm sure all the New Yorkers are like, ah, oh, shut up. You're always talking about Los Angeles, but I'm, I'm here in Los Angeles and, and I'm jealous as fuck of the New Yorkers who've managed to like, I don't know what dark magics led to the, the shows that are running, getting to have the space. Cause it's not yeah. like New York's got like a better real estate situation. Yeah. I know that part. You know, San Francisco's been really hard, and like the, the 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 Boxcar Theater, Speakeasy up there, like they've done that kind of investment. There's there's some model of this stuff that someone's going to suss out and is going to work. But at the scale that we need, in terms of there being like a big AAA, like LA having it sleep no more, it takes it takes the kind of work you've laid down here to make that to make that happen. And I just wish the city would. Would be aware that it's going on would some institutional forces might come in and back because there are fallow spaces There are fallow spaces that might be city controlled that might be federally controlled that might just be you know Okay Occasionally something goes goes in there and just find a way to like work this in such a way
1: We took over uh, we have a very large very large warehouse. I think the warehouse is over maybe 50,000 square feet Mm -hmm. and um, We've been in there for, for months and months and months in building it out, and and if you would have seen it when we took it to what it is now, uh, it's insane. I mean, in these these they're they're all over the place. But it took us a year to find it. It took us a year of begging, pleading, and groveling for someone to let us in there. At this just horrific warehouse. And I guarantee we've upped the resale value of that warehouse by what we've done. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the, the painting and the fixing of the floors and all this other stuff. It's uh. So I I think that hopefully good comes of this, and other people will do and take the risk that I see so many starting to do I mean it was I was at Scarlet this weekend and it was awesome to see so many of them um, you know that were there and and uh, operating but I think that I really hope if if I can plug it now Ascension um, it's a weird unique macabre dark beautiful uh, journey Um, it's not a haunted house it's not a play Um, it's uh, kind of undefinable, and I think that's what me, excites me about it. Um, you go in and you just have to let yourself go and be pulled in any direction and be willing to go through and do anything. Um, it is not for the timid. Uh, that said, I'm not going to make you eat horrible things, and you know, it, it's not what this is. But it's uh, something that if you allow yourself to be present and you allow yourself to actually be. Uh, as opposed to want to be somewhere else which is what we do most of the day I'm on my cell phone looking about what the next thing I'm going to do is Mm -hmm. if you allow yourself to actually be present uh, I think it's something that you're going to walk away with hopefully hopefully the way that I have recently in some of these shows that I've seen and I'm just like oh my god that you can do something cool in art it doesn't have to be this box and everything has to fit in this perfect box Um, and that's what Sleep No More did to me it kicked me in the balls it did it kicked me in the balls and I was like where's this been my entire life how did I not know this existed
0: Well, if nothing else, you've taken me from being someone who was skeptical and unsure and a little bit like, oh, maybe they've bitten off more than they can chew, (laughs) to now I'm like, well, I fucking gotta see this, right? You know, like I just i I need to now. I need to I need to see the product of the passion, and that's that's what I'm always looking for. Um, that's what I'm interested in when I'm, when I'm sussing through and, and, and just on raw specs. So this is for any of you creators out there and like, well, what's Noah looking for? Not that I'm important or anything (laughs) like that. Uh, please do not read that as me being humble. (laughs) I'm really, I'm just neurotic. Um, I'm, I'm looking to see someone putting their passion on the line and someone, wanting to believe in something so badly that they're willing to take a crazy risk because that's who I wish I was. And when you're around that for a minute, you get to be that and you come out of it a little bit more that person. Um,
1: I have great. I mean, it's amazing. It it takes one person to believe in you and, uh, took years. I mean, I think I pitched tension for three years and, uh, it takes one person i i met a guy and he said i hear you want to make something crazy and weird explain it to me and this guy named gordon and i sat down and uh two hours later he goes my head fucking hurts but i'm in i'm in and uh it's crazy because if i i hope at some point if this is a success i can put a book out because the pitch that i gave him i had i have a 20 page pitch and we're using that as our bible and we're still doing it we're still going through it and like we're on page nine of the pitch and it's been going for six months so there's still so much more to go if again you know it just hopefully people and it's also hard that there is so much content in los angeles there's so much to do and this is a high dollar ticket price yeah you know i look and it's one of the i think the hardest things for me as i look and i see great productions charging much less than we are and I, it's hard because people are like, "Why are you charging what you're charging?" And I'm like, it, it, "Trust me, if you knew what you're getting when you go in there, and you knew the people that you're going to be interacting with, and what it is we're actually pulling off, it does make sense. It's not there is not a huge markup on these at all. It's because we want to try to change yeah. the game, and that's it. Change well, there, the game. There's
0: a, there's a there's a whole layer to what's been happening in the city for the past year, where like people are charging a lot less, and they they actually need to be charging more. And we've been you know we've sat down outside of the podcast, you know. Like some of the others and I will get together uh, and we try and crack these nuts. And it's like, where can we push the ticket price? And it's not like, you know, Apple Books conspiracy level. It's just like, all, can we make this sustainable? Right, just sustainable. What you're talking about, like in the gap between, you know, the, the cost, right? And when investors get involved, you need to pay the investors back. They expect a return on investment. They may not necessarily expect, you know, dot com ROI, but they expect ROI. Otherwise, they wouldn't get involved in this in the first place. And live costs. Live we, costs so much.
1: If I'm gonna do this, I've gotta I gotta do it big. I can't do it. There are so many other people in the space that are amazing doing it at that level i can't compete with them there is no Mm. way that i would want to compete with the loan or uh what we learned here with screenshot productions i wouldn't want to compete with them because they've already doing it and doing it successfully so if i'm going to do it i have to do something they're not doing and i have to do something that uh ups the ante i don't mean up again not upping the ante on what they're doing but something new yeah and to me well
0: that that production value that sleep no more has like the thing that's amazing I came out of sleep no more depressed the first time I saw it because I went in there trying to figure out like what are people doing like I want to play in this space I want to make things like you know like this is exciting this is where it's going and I went in and I was like I'm not a fucking scenic designer. And I'm not a choreographer. Like, I'm never going to make that. I don't have $2 million. And start to wonder, like, how do they how do they get there, right? Like, what was the road for Punch Drunk to become Punch Drunk? Because, you know, it's like Batman. Yeah. Batman didn't just, like, it's not like parents shot next day beating up the Joker, right? There's a long journey from from Crying Orphan to Scourge of Gotham. Uh, but then I went and saw Then She Fell. And yeah. it was playing still absolutely beautiful. The Some of the scenic in there is it's great. Is fucking it's incredible one of my favorite shows oh it's it's like everybody's favorite show yeah. but the, ma- the the core the magic was the interplay between the the performer and the audience member and I was like that I understand that I, I know how to start playing
1: in that I talk about that one scene um, when I did when I did Then She Fell there's the mirror scene where there's the mirror and there's no mirror and then you get the two Alices and the orange getting rolled and I sat yeah. there and I was so, this sounds dirty and I'm not meaning to be Oh dirty. no, I mean, every, every, sexy, everyone, everyone so, pervs on that scene. Everyone so, pervs on that and scene. And I, I I, felt that I was in love with this girl, both of them and I was like, and they love me yeah. and I realized that the minute I was taken out of that room and brought in like the mad tea room, that moment was gone but for me it was real. It only lasted two minutes but yep. I felt love, I felt connection, I oh, felt yeah. stimulation.
0: Yeah, there there was a moment um I, I don't know how many times you you've done it a now. Few times. Yeah, so like there's a moment there's a moment in the little room with the dolls and and one of the Alice's talks to you and I always get it. it's like it's Red Alice or White Alice? I think it's Red Alice uh, I, I know people who have done the track now uh, Haley Nichelle and so like she's always correcting me no that's Red Alice no that's White Alice uh, and then I forget uh, and it's happy it's a it's a happy forgetting because then yeah. I can experience it like it's new again and and it was um, it was Taro Khan. Who, who's one of the aces of that show. And uh, we had that scene and it was incredible because it felt like a confessional to me. And then a little bit later on, uh, down below uh, in the room where the Red Queen and the White Rabbit have their interaction, like the time when you're actually in that room uh, and the two Alice's are, again, it's another mirror dance, yeah. but this time it's a two-way mirror. And I'm in that room with, with uh, Tara and like just for a second, she like catches my eye in the mirror. And gives a wink, yeah, and just slays me, like slays. Me. Like I, I when I I went to Grand Paradise and like she was performing that night, and like I was almost embarrassed to be standing next to her because, you know, a year and a half later, I'm still crushing on that illusion, yeah, right. And that's that's what the magic is, and that's and it almost comes back to like the air, the the kind of the yeah. the, the, the alternate reality stuff you've been doing, right? It's like, you know, it, I could see. Like if I was a little more broken than I am, yeah. and I'm I'm a little broken, yeah. I could see it being a problem. Like I could see going through some of these things, and like luckily my neuroses keeps me just being like like famously in my Grand Paradise review I was like uh, I was worried I was in, I was about to be thrown out because I had like overstepped my bounds and I hadn't at all. Yeah. But like I was, it was, I was back two nights later and interacting with someone i had interacted with with before. And I, th- I thought for a second they had targeted me. as like, Oh, you're yeah. stalking me. And I was like, no, it wasn't that. But I'm the kind of person who internalizes like, ah, did I screw up? Um, And maybe that's part of the fun for me is like that part of that line is like, is this real? Is this happening? Well, that's right. I think
1: that's what I love about what the tension experience has become. So we're doing something right now called indoctrination. And this is a big point of clarity. Indoctrination is not ascension. Ascension is its own standalone thing. You can go into ascension knowing absolutely nothing about the tension experience. But indoctrination has done a, a pretty, I think, acceptable job of, a respectable job of blurring the lines of real and fake. Um, about the minute you think that you minute you think you figured out what's going on, we pull back and there's the fourth wall and we break it, but then behind that fourth wall is an even bigger fourth wall and we break that one. And so it's caused some people, I mean we've had a, we've had three encounters now where we've had to we've actually had to intervene about no, this isn't real, you need to calm down, you need to. And it's it's crazy. it's uh, it's it's been crazy and that's why I'm okay. excited and nervous to see, what happened? I mean, Ascension is—it like I said—it's its own. It's the equivalent of people that have been watching X Files, and now now the uh, what's that? The spinoff they had, The Millennium. Lone Gunman. the, lo- uh, the, oh, the Lone the, Gunman. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. like if the Lone Gunman started. Yes, yeah. there's there's connections to it, but um, interesting. And uh, we'll see. It's just it's crazy because, like you said, this ARG thing was never we never thought about it, and now we are in the middle of it in this crazy. 24 hours a day 7 <sighs> days a week my wife's ready to divorce me I'm not sure my son knows who I am anymore it's oh just been uh, it's just been that whole time are you
0: going to end the ARG once the It'll once,
1: it, yeah, it, yeah the indoctrination will end before Ascension begins okay. so Ascension's the next chapter so basically yeah. Ascension is its own thing and it's starting over
0: one day someone's going to figure it out and sometimes I wish that if you go back in the lore right there was there was Cloudmakers and there was Majestic which was the thing EA tried to sell as a box product and it was about you know area 52 and everything and they didn't succeed partly because again people were getting phone calls in the middle of the night and their wives threatened to uh divorce them um one day someone i think is gonna gonna crack the nut on how to how to make this stuff uh sustainable profitable even without it um the ARG type stuff without it requiring absolute full 24 hours, seven days a week. Right. Like, like just the sense of like, but it may have to be like you come up to a wall and it says like all oh, the next issue drops in 24 days. There's something built into the world like that you know way. I
1: realize which is fascinating. And of course, from a psycho- from a psychological standpoint, it all makes sense. But with, with anything that you spend time on. So let's say the tension experience, we have people that spend hours on the message boards, interacting with characters for hours. Mm. Those characters become real to them the same way that the Sleep No More characters became real to me or that oh, yeah. Alice became real to you. Mm-hmm. But this has been going on for seven months, seven yeah. months of yeah. character interactions, real interactions where, you know, we've had numerous times where, where participants uh, show up to an intersection and a car picks them up and they're taken to a warehouse to have an interaction with one person, a person that they've now talked to and communicated with for seven months. Um, it's and, Uber, but for... Talking with Oh, actors. my favorite is yeah. trying to tell Uber. because I know the <laughs> actors don't. By before this, the actors don't know who I am either. So I've always no one knows who I am. I mean, literally, this is the first time I've ever spoken about it publicly. Uh-huh. So and the we act- won't,
0: you won't, we won't even be dropping this. We drop on Fridays, yeah, so we're talking so, on a Friday. It's yeah. going to be next Friday. Yeah, when, so it's, so uh, uh, you guys, you guys can you can spill the beans beforehand or not? Like, it, like yeah, Friday morning, it'll go out.
1: Uh. So the it's crazy because you're putting characters. You know you're putting participants with characters they've been having real world interactions with for months and months and months and months. And it's crazy to watch them because they know everything about these characters and there's real emotionality with these characters. When we kill these characters off. There's real emotions and it's, it's beautiful and it's awesome. Again, as an artist, it's something that it's so much more creative and freeing to me as a filmmaker to see this than to sit behind a monitor and do the same thing twenty-five times again. Yeah, it's there's something that is so raw and uh, badass. I think that's the only what I can say.
0: Yeah, it's it's the it's the essence of make believe, right? You know, and 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 the the flip side, like the the other part of the business side of it, is that everything that you're learning, everything that Punch Drunk learned, and all the all the other companies who are, are playing at this space and at, at every level, you know. I was bringing it back a little bit to the VR thing. Like that's what people are looking for. Like immersive is immersive, whether there's physicality or there's a headset attached. I think that the physical stuff is always going to be superior in terms of the emotionality. But if you don't, if you can, you can borrow liberally in terms of what you're doing, like all that connection, you know, all, all the conversation, all the knowledge of a character. And when you have an interaction with them and like, you know, in 10 years, people will just be doing it in VR but yeah. then they're still going to want to go to the actual physical space. Like there's a, there's a business model here. He used to be precious about this. There's a business model here where people like have, you know, modules of these things that exist in VR, but there's still the physical space. It's like people watch YouTube videos of Disney rides and all it does is it gets them excited to go on the Disney, go ride. To the Disney ride. Yeah. Right.
1: Well, that's why, again, come down and see it in person. Um, interact with these people in person and uh, it's I'm so excited as well because there is hopefully if if we do our job correctly no two people will have the same thing it's 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 we've designed this in a way that it everyone's going to have something unique happen to them and when you leave my, my favorite thing is what I hope is when you walk out, everyone's talking about their experience and say, "Wait, what the fuck? That what, yep. where did you? What did you see? Yep. There was some, what on the ceiling? Yeah, I didn't see that." And then someone's like, "Wait, what, what happened to you?" So that to me is what sleep no more. To me, lasted weeks because mm-hmm. the conversations never ended about. I have to go back. I didn't see that scene. Oh, for
0: me, it was like I didn't get. I didn't get the blood orgy.
1: Oh, that's my favorite scene. Like well, the second
0: time I did, I made a, I made a fucking point to make sure I saw it, and then, and I, and you know what it did? It made me go like, "Oh my god, I missed that! How I missed that the first time? That in the candy room? I didn't get the candy room, and that, that was my uh, goal. I had two goals when I went back the second time: like candy room, blood
1: origin. I had a, I had an experience last time I went, which was the first experience I got of this was. The Rebecca storyline and the mm. girl who goes down, I forget the character's name, but she goes down into the room and the guy takes her money and she takes me into the closet and she does the opening monologue for Rebecca, which I've never had happened before. And I was like in her closet and she was in my face and she was doing this monologue and like I was literally. I was more touched than any dramatic movie or horror movie. Yeah, I was just I was captivated by this actress that was an inch from my face, saying this monologue, which I've heard a hundred times because I love that film. And I was like, "Holy shit! Like this is this is art. This is what I want to do."
0: What's What's fascinating about that to me is like because uh, I did Grand Paradise like like uh, two not, not consecutive nights, but like I did one night and then like two two nights later, and I got some of the same track, which was slightly disappointing, but. What was interesting was like some of the performers um I, I got I got like different performers doing some of the same stuff, and then I got uh, one performer doing the same thing twice, and there are some people working in this method who are completely able to take you there each time, even with the same lines like they're so present they're that they, they want to communicate what they want to communicate to you so so passionately so really that you, you feel it each time. And that that's, was that's one amazing. show
1: I've not done. How many people go through that a night? Is it is it like they're... there's about
0: 30 to 50 people and, and here's the thing about that show, right? I mean like uh, as I've as I say in public, and I've said elsewhere, and, and I have people come at me because um, my my review of it is so passionate, right? And I have people come and go like I couldn't stand it. I I hated that show. Uh, I was talking with uh, one of the, one of the previous guests, and like he was like I'm so glad you wrote that review because the people I went with it went with hated it. And they were he was like they like the same night as yeah. I was, which is weird. We traded notes afterwards. Like I I saw you there, but I didn't want to approach. It. Like that's strange. Uh, but he felt what I felt. And I think it has a lot to do with like what track you wind up on and like who you are. Yeah. Um. It's 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 an almost like it's an acquired taste, and it's hard if you're uh, if you're a fan of Then She Fell, you're expecting something, and part of it is like that, but not all of it. Some yeah. of it's it's somewhere in between Sleep No More and Then She Fell in terms of how much agency you have. Yeah. But on certain tracks, certain moments performed by certain people are. Amazing,
1: Yeah.
0: And, and then there's a whole level of desire to it. Right. So it's like, you know, you might have someone flirting with you who you're not into and you're like, okay. And then you might have someone flirting with you who under the right circumstances, you would totally be into. And that's enough to like, take it from like, "Eh, interesting experiment to, I think
1: I need a drink. Yeah. Uh,
0: And I had the, I think I need a drink. I had like a devastating level of that, but what's, is interesting to me also is like that 20 30 to 50 people range that seems to be a hard nut for everybody to crack right like it's like one-on-one or a very small group or controlled the way then she fell or just like put 200 people in the sucker like those models work but this like how do we get well that an intimate theater size group of people through that's that was my
1: biggest challenge in trying to create this was i i mean again i I always say this isn't a haunt. There's something very horrific about what you're going to go through in a way, but I wanted to more make sure... More of a sure. mind... Well, I don't, it's wanna, mind, mind. I don't want to... No, yeah, it's, 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 it's more it's, of a mindfuck. It's, it's, it's really... It's just going to take you out of your comfort zone. That's okay. all I can it's okay. you out of your comfort zone. Yeah, I,
0: I really don't want you
1: to spoil it for uh, me. But one of the things that I made sure of is that... You know, I do love haunted houses. I love them, but what I hate about them is they corral you in and they push you through. Uh And I can see the people in front of me. I can see the people behind me. There's nothing intimidating or frightening or scary. And in the same way, unless it was a
0: bovine like experiment and someone standing there with one of those like you know air guns, like what's going on? Well,
1: I, I I wanted to make it so you felt that you were never being rushed through, and you felt that you can have time, and you can look, and you can communicate, and you can touch. But then you start looking again at the business, and you're like. If I don't get X amount of people through, and there's only this many hours in a day, and I and I have to do X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. it became it became yeah. a real thing. Now the good news is we we said fuck it. We want personal interactions. We don't want to just push people through. And we're luckily we're staying with that. But that required us to stay open a lot longer. Like this was never supposed to be. Like I want to stay open for X amount of time. But now what we did is we opted to put less people through. And stay open longer for a longer run, hopefully, so we can give people that interaction. Because I think that what I didn't like sleeping no more the last time I went back, um, mm. which is years have passed from the first time I went to this last time, yeah. I was running in, in a herd oh, of God, people. In yeah. a herd of people. And these people are so entitled that they know that if they do this, they're going to get a one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And so you have cl- people, cl- like adult yeah. people clotheslining other people to get because they want to meet with you know Lady Macbeth or whoever. And to me, I couldn't handle it. Yeah. I was just like, I can't, I can't do this. And they're not like
0: present because they they have got an agenda. They're not letting the show work its mojo on them. They're like, I have my. It's like being at Disneyland, well, and it's
1: like I gotta get on Star Tours, God damn it. Do you know what else it is? I just got back from, uh, went to the Louvre and you see everyone looking at the pictures through their cell phone and I'm like, you're fucking there. Yeah. You put your phone down, you're there and whatever shitty picture you take is not going to be as good as what's on Google Images so put your fucking phone down and be there. I
0: know. It's like the first time when just, I've always hated watching people even back in the days of just like small video cameras like, watching their kids' baseball games through the postage stamp size LCD screen. It's like... I... I I almost long for the day when we have the cybernetic implants in our eyes that just record freaking everything because then no one's going to have a goddamn camera and they'll just edit it in post. You know, we'll fi- As horrific as that is, at least it would solve that Did problem. Did you ever see
1: the Black Mirror episode? Do you watch Black Mirror oh, ever? Oh, yeah, I watch there's Black that, Mirror. There's that Black Mirror episode with the guy that can record things in his eyes uh-huh. and that's one of the most disturbing things. Super disturbing, yeah. super perfect.
0: I yeah. There's no... There is no writer producer on earth who I am more jealous of than Charlie Booker because uh-huh. everything he's written in that show, I'm like, oh god damn it! If I, like, I wouldn't have made it that good, but like I,
1: fuck. It's one of the things that when I watched it, I was like, why didn't I think of this? <laughs> yes. Like, why didn't why? Didn't yes. This? And when you hear the episode, and I'm not going to say it, but when you hear about what the, the pilot episode is about, it sounds so ludicrous and so ridiculous. <laughs> and then you watch that- it. And I'm just like, oh my god! And then, and then, and then then it really—the real thing happened. and you're like, like, did he know? Like, what's going on?
0: Like, we live in Black Mirror. I know we live in Black Mirror. All right, you know, we could probably do this forever, but uh, I I have a feeling we'll be doing this again um, (laughs) after I've uh, after I've ascended, um, and the next chapter is getting ready. Yes, Um, this has been fantastic.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm.
1: I'm so stoked now.
0: I, I I walked in today being like, I do not know what I'm getting myself into. And uh, <laughs> Did you think I was going
1: to come here and like attack you, or have weird, crazy uh, phone? Your phone was going to ring, you and kidnapped. Well,
0: I mean, I've so uh, you know, I've been reluctant to hand your publicist my phone number because I know you guys are playing with people, and yeah. I've just been like. I mean, like uh, you know, screenshot ha- has been doing some stuff that requires like an er- required an early start in yeah. terms of other things, and I, I took the pass on it because I was like, guys, I'm a late riser, like that's not going to work for me, uh, and I and I and I already love what those guys do, right? Yeah. So that's me going with someone who, whose work I love, being like, all, oh, a bespoke, semi bespoke experience happening in my own home with you guys, that sounds wonderful. What time of the day? <laughs> nope, nope, need my beauty sleep. Yeah, um, and. And for this one I was expecting here's I'll tell I'll tell you what I was expecting. I I was expecting a Patsy. I was expecting a character. So I was expecting like someone send me in character and then like I'd like kinda like poke a little bit and I would get like the in character story. And I might kind of be like, okay, you know, okay, all right, right. But like, but like, really, like, when do they bring you in? And like, maybe would turn into a Mike Wallace sixty Minutes thing, which get my rocks off that way. But, but I would I'm start not
1: breaking down crying about how I was abused as a kid. Yeah,
0: and, like and not, and, but probably not you, right? Like someone who couldn't actually, yeah. like speak to the the broader because we're a nerdy. I mean, I'm sorry if you're listening to this that I'm outing you as a nerd, but we are very. Fucking nerdy show Right Like the people Who listen to this Are fans of this stuff But they're also The makers of this stuff They're 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 Probably more creatives Than just Than just fans yeah. Right um, Like the value proposition For people coming on this show Is always like Hey you know what These are These are people who get so excited about That they're gonna talk about it right? right You know Like this world is so small That it's like All of us Sharing yeah. these notes And getting all of our friends To go do it um, And so I was just worried that I was going to get an actor who wasn't going to be equipped to talk about everything you did talk about. And well, it's not. And that's,
1: I think, the one thing I hope that people do realize that this is not an act. There's been a lot of acting in the Tension experience, but my love for immersive theater and site specific things and theater in general forget the immersive part, actual theater. Yeah. Before I started, that was my major in college. Like, that was. That was it. Yeah. Me going into the Saul franchise and doing that, I'm very lucky. But that was a that was a left turn when I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. I thought I was going to come out here and direct theater. And uh, I thought
0: you were going to direct theater in L.A. I wow, did,
1: I did. <laughs> and you know what? A funny a funny story was the first thing I directed when I got to Los Angeles. The very first thing I directed was a black box theater of a little thing called Repo: The Genetic Opera. Which I told the creators, I said, I love this. And if I ever get the ability, I'm going to make this into a movie. Four years later, five years later, we were in prep to make it into a movie. But that was just a black box thing I directed. Yeah. So sometimes weird shit like this happens.
0: Weird nightmares come true. They do. That's fantastic.
1: Well, thank you very much for having me. And I hope you guys all come out and check out Ascension.
0: All right. That's the show. Once again, want to thank Darren Lynn bousman for being our guest on the show today. Tickets are now on sale for The Tension Experience. You can find them at thetensionexperience.com. There was also a write up in the Los Angeles Times today in the Hero Complex section, so you can check that out online as well if you want to get a little more about um, the way it works in the rooms and kind of the LA, the mainstream press's take on our little corner of the world. Hey, Giant thank you to our Patreon backers for keeping the show running. You guys are our support. It's being bold and upfront about it. So if you like the show, check out patreon.com slash no Even a dollar a month helps defer the costs, makes this insane dream possible, and keeps us going and continuing to make things for you I've been threatening for a long time to revise the Patreon, and uh, oh, it's happening. It is happening. And by revise, I don't mean I'm cutting anything. If if you've been a backer, uh, nothing, you, you will not get anything less than you're getting right now. I'm not getting anything as it is, Nelson. Uh, you will only get more. You'll only get more, and the option for more. So, got some big ideas. Big, big ideas, he says. All right, enough of that. How do you find us? You find us at no proscenium on Twitter. You find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash no proscenium. You sign up for the newsletter at no You read the Patreon. Wait, no, you read the essays at medium, medium.com slash no dash proscenium. And uh, you help us out by going to patreon.com slash no and that's, that's all the ways to get a hold of us, except for email, which we don't want your emails anymore. No, just kidding. Um, this show, the newsletter, all of it, it is fueled by our network of spies and informants. Oh, yeah, I'm not supposed to say that. It's fueled by our fans and fellow travelers. So if you uh, see something, say nothing. No, uh, if you see something... <laughs> If there's a show you liked, if there's an escape room that's rad, if you're making something and you just need the world to know about it, email us at no underscore, no underscore proscenium at outlook.com. All of that threw you for a loop, didn't it? The underscore, the outlook. I mean, we are outside the box here, people. Um that's how you email us. That's how you let us know what's going on in your part of the world. We do this for you. We love doing it for you. We endure all kinds of strangeness just to make a show for you. No, that's, the, no, that's, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that, that's totally true. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you're back if this is your first time. And uh, until next time. I'll see you at the show.